0: I call it vertical music because it's all happening simultaneously. It's not linear. I guess I was initiated into continuous present time. The whole picture, the whole event is present and accessible at any point within the event. So it was that experience of vertical music, of hearing that sound in that paranormal ceremony that caused me to reach for a musical way of referring to it.
1: This unearthly sound, is all pervading current. That's right. It's like when everything is simultaneous. Everything is now. Eternity is now. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I just quoted you. I've been I've been listening to. Lots of, may I quote you again? <laughs> yes. You got me hooked. <laughs> Welcome to Voices of Esalen. I'm Sam Stern. Today I'm so pleased to bring you the recording of a live edition of our show with a guest whose journey intertwines music, comedy, spirituality, and a profound well of universal wisdom, the incomparable Laraji. Laraji is often thought of as one of the progenitors of New Age music, a genre that at times he resists and in many ways exceeds. His journey is as eclectic as it is enlightening. After studying classical composition at Howard University's College of Fine Arts from 1962 to 1964, Laraji was initially drawn to the world of stand-up comedy, and though that career path did not blend well enough with his burgeoning interest in spirituality, laughter remained a key trope in the composition of his life. Which, you'll see, he kept me on my toes with a persona that was in many parts trickster, that pleasantly offset the meaningful koans of wisdom that he gifted the audience and myself throughout the interview. Laraji's approach to creating music and to making speech, it's a deep and practiced meditative process that invites both the performer and the listener into a state of present moment awareness, awakening a dormant understanding that everything in the universe is interconnected and perhaps playing out simultaneously. Beyond this unique perspective, Laraji is very simply a musical genius. He's very, very prolific with more than 50 albums to date and a full 2024 performance schedule. Please check out his work. It's available on all streaming services, not to mention at independent record stores. And it provides a wonderful companion to meditation, to journeying, to walking, to breathing, to being. It was so cool to have him and his partner R.G. Oceananda at Esalen for a week this December as part of Esalen's inaugural Go Within series, curated and hosted by Sadia Bruce. Amazing event, also featuring performances from Mary Lattimore and Snow Raven. Simply unforgettable. It'll be back next year, and you don't want to miss it. Alright, Laraji, formerly Larry Gordon, and I sat down and did this in front of a live studio audience in late December 2023, so join as we enter the multifaceted world of Laraji, prepare to be inspired, amused, and quite possibly moved. We begin with a beautiful micro concert performed by Laraji and R.G. Oceananda. Much for being here. Thank you. thank
0: you so much, Sam. I still struggle with how to receive the word thank you because I think what you're saying is you appreciate what has happened here and uh, I appreciate it as well. and I feel it's a unified field that is doing all of this right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I say that God does the work, I take the check to the bank. <laughs>
1: Oh uh, Well, I want to start off by bringing us back to Howard University, 1962. What brought you to want to go to Howard? And is it true that you wanted to be a chemical engineer growing up? Yes, Sam, very much so. That uh, I was focused
0: on becoming something in the engineering department, architect (coughs) or chemical engineer. I was impressed with the images of DuPont The idea of having a white coat standing outside of a DuPont factory next to a Mercedes Benz. Uh That's what drove my interest. (laughs) And so I studied chemistry in high school and took all the right courses for getting into MIT or Rensselaer, Polytech, or Stevens. Mm. And at the same time, I was working on a clothing chain
1: called Robert Hall Clothes. You've heard of Robert Hall? No, I just knew that your dad was a tailor.
0: Yes. Right, (laughs) so yes, that, uh, so anyhow, working at Robert Hall's clothing store, one night business was slow and the salesman came over to me and started talking about things. They said, you know, Howard has a beautiful, highly prestigious music school. And I said, really? Right then something inside of me shifted. I said, I don't really want to be a chemical engineer. I want to follow the calling of music. Yeah. So I did that, and I uh, went to my physics teacher, who was very proud of me, He says, I'm not going to go to MIT, I'm going to go to music. And I don't ever recall seeing a smile on his face again in the school system.
1: <laughs> what, what kind of music were you interested in studying when you were at the, the College of Fine Art there? Classical music, mm-hmm. piano music because that was what I was required to do, and
0: also theory and composition of music. So, in the practice rooms, I would do an hour of scales and arpeggios, and then an hour of free flow, spontaneous jam. Yeah. Yeah. And so those two things were going on, explorational and also rigid discipline mm. of the piano, to learn how to move over the keyboards with, with that look that you know you know look like you know what you're doing yes that's what i used to do when i was young and i'd imitate great piano players and i look like i know what i'm doing <laughs> and now when i do that legitimately i said that behavior looks familiar I Find that when i'm in improvisation now. It's that
1: body language, that open body language that I learned how to put the fingers on the right notes. <laughs> yeah, so you were studying composition. So is, is is someone who creates composition, is that diametrically opposed to the kind of work that you do now? Because I think of you as someone who can do improvisation. So what was it like when you were creating like a rigid sort of structure with your music? You know, I at the
0: beginning of it, I thought, Boring, but when I found out it's stored energy that I get bored, but I keep doing it for five or 10 minutes, then I let go of the rigid and I fly off into some of these most out of sight improvisations. So the discipline is a way of containing or Mm -hmm. focusing energy Mm -hmm. and then knowing how and when to release it. The improvisations that resulted or are resulting is very impressive. Yes,
1: yeah, that's fascinating.
0: Quite so
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was so sweet of argy on the Kalimba there. Oh, oh I know. know. Yes. That's beautiful. Yeah, because I find that having people play with that a sense of minimalism mm. works good and yeah. to be able to handle minimal mm. even though you want to do a lot mm. to look i'm doing a lot but a little they say less
1: is more were you exposed to any of the sort of music that you play now when you were at howard in the college of fine arts were you exposed to kind of experimental was there any sort of like early electronic music that you heard no, Sam. Nothing like that. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> it was strictly classic and devoted to the uh, classics. No experimental. I, in my practice room, I would just uh, go off. Mm-hmm. When the guard would come by, I look like I'm doing my lessons. <laughs> the guard go by. Uh, the practice rooms were where I would experiment. I remember once. Somebody named Bobby Timmons. You ever heard of Bobby Timmons? No. Oh, good, then I can say anything about (laughs) him. He was a famous jazz pianist who had visited Howard University, like leisurely, and he came down into the practice room and heard me doodling. And he said, you've got potential for a jazz pianist. That sort of set a little fire. You know, it's almost like my dean of my college, Howard Howard University. One day I was in his presence with another teacher, and they were like, this young man's not doing his homework. <laughs> and he said, I don't understand this brilliant mind that he has. And that just impressed me, brilliant mind. <laughs> it just shifted my sense of performance in college after
1: that. Let me ask you this, when, did I, was when you left college, you had this idea to do comedy, as opposed to going to music, and I'm wondering, where, what was the seed of that? How did that develop? Comedy on and off stage
0: has always been maybe first nature. (laughs) With cousins, aunts, uncles in school, doing skits and programs on uh, talent shows. There'd be scripts, it would be improvs. And it was fun dreaming them up. And it I got to college, did the same thing. Funny people gravitate toward each other (laughs) in college. Sooner or later, after the first week or so of college, I got to know who was funny. And would find out, and, hey, let's do a comedy team. And that's what we'd do um, for several years. And the comedy teams were pretty good. So somebody said, you should go to the bitter end like Bill Cosby, New York, and do that. And I said, Bong. Go to New York, make a lot of money, get a fancy apartment with a big old red rug and put down a big, Concert grand Baldwin piano. Mm. Ow! Mm. <laughs> and then I would continue writing music. That was the plan. Okay. So yep. my buddy and Charles, we decided you were know, come home for Thanksgiving. He to Jersey. Both of us to Jersey. Then go to the Bitter End on Tuesday. Mm. You know what happens, Sam? So I got to the Bitter End. There was no Charles. I had to shift the whole routine to one person. Wow! And it went over good. They yeah. Said, you should Come back and try again. What kind of material were you working with? Silly. Uh-huh. silly Observational, like early Seinfeld? No, like a, uh, extremely silly. <laughs> we knew what silly was in college, but it was uh, slapstick too. Mm-hmm. It was uh, very, uh, me trying to explain what it's like. It's, well, Jonathan Winters was one d- direction uh-huh. and uh, Richard Pryor was another direction. Uh-huh. I got my uh, inspiration to write music, I mean, write comedy for myself, by just sitting down and pondering, why is it people have laughed in my presence over my lifetime? well, possibly because I was doing something they couldn't understand and I looked silly doing it, or even dizzy. So that was the image I think people, so I honed in on that dizzy image. And, (laughs) But at the same time, I was starting to study the mind science and the laws of consciousness and how we attract into our lives things that we consciously and unconsciously choose. Ah. I have to make some
1: conscious-informed choices here. That's what... <laughs> and so at that point, did you start to phase the comedy and the acting sort of out of your system, or...? Out of... Yes, yeah, so I put on a
0: down low. I uh, decided that the material was not appropriate for... ...for the direction in which I was allowing my evolution to
1: unfold. What was the seed of that kind of like spiritual genesis? How did that come into your into your being? Jesus! <laughs> Jesus was the seed.
0: <laughs> I kid you not. Yeah. It was Jesus! Yeah. Just... <laughs> so every time you say Jesus... You have to mentally go vertical and hit the G current, head on. So that you're just full of energy. Jesus! (laughs) So you had the the seed of Jesus. Indeed, yeah. It was, uh, I followed his lead. Mm -hmm. I took baptism at the age of 12, I think it was, at the age of 12. And that was amazing. Because up to then, I didn't know that our church at a trap door under the preacher pulpit. <laughs> That's where the baptism tank was. Okay. So on baptism day, you know, this is a surprise. The preacher says, come up the stage. And I said, oh, then he opens the trap door with water. I said, wow. <laughs> if Jesus did it, I can do
1: it. Yeah. So. So I got baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Sure. But after, you know, after college, you're, you're sort of like the, the tail end of the acting stuff. Were you, did you increase the study? Did you read like a pivotal book? Or were you yes, I the did. Meditation? I did, Sam. Glad
0: yes. you asked that question. <laughs> it, <worked with> <laughs> it. <laughs> it was a, uh, I think one of the first two books that impressed me was Baba Ram Dass' Be Here Now, and Krishnamurti's Think on These Things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Think on These Things. And uh, it's a an unique time, I guess, in conscious existence to feel the fabric of the universe shift because your understanding of what's going on is shifting. An inarticulable density in the field just vanished when I started investigating wow. matters and wow. practices of the higher stream. Yeah. Yes, it's like uh, you're turning on a different frequency of light that shows a different layout of the land. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you started to really like that that feeling. Did you Did you have a meditation practice? It had me. Yeah, it convinced <laughs> me that how meaningful it was that I this explored at the beginning, not knowing what I was really looking for. Yeah. told it's Richard Hittleman. Ever heard of Richard Hittleman? No. A lot of people you yeah. don't know about, Sam. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well I didn't know about him before I knew about him. So he wrote on meditation and yoga in a language that. I, as a Westerner, could comprehend. Because up till then, I really thought that meditation was, that the Hindus had a monopoly on it. I was trespassing. So I found that Richard Hittleman used the term transcendental meditation in a way that didn't sound like it belonged to a group. And it inspired me to explore about three different techniques, well, to get into meditation. One, learn how to sit still for 21 minutes in a chair, focus on something. And just allow the breath to flow, but get the attention to stay focused on one point. And I discovered that a different version of present time universe slips into view, if I can hold out that long. And the second was find a breathing practice or technique that I could just jumpstart me into the meditation zone. When I heard that breathing can relax tension from your body, and even laughter, as we show that can take us into the Shavasana relaxation zone. So how to get into the relaxation zone? Because I accept that relaxation, deep relaxation and meditation can be one and the same experience. In deep relaxation, we are available, we are uninterrupted witness, more bounderless nature of self uh, appears. And I say after 21 minutes, a different version of i say my own presence appears into my own awareness and so this to me was transcending and also in another the third part of it is that before going into meditation sitting take off all titles and names and classifications that are used for me now have ever been used all of the good ones all of the impressive ones all of the society obligated ones Mm. just take off Every title and sit with what's left, the I am without any modifiers. And sit with that for 21 minutes and receive information from within. This is link up with the inner current. This is what uh, shifted my approach to music is the learning that I could bring my inspiration out of the uh, meditative alignment place. If I just practice on facilities and uh, and let spontaneity just being hooked up to the current just come through this as is, is, we are undo it conduit or transmitter and that's when the magical music happens because mm. it's no longer my music mm. i was saying earlier when you thank me for this i feel that it's a timeless current that is creating everything at the same time this concert is not a separate entity unto itself but it's entire present
1: time here, this way. Do you think of your music as channeled music or is that slightly different?
0: Channeled music is a good question. I would say channeled, if I have a clear understanding of what I mean and not get caught up into what it might mean to someone else. Mm. Channeling, being a conduit through which, by means of which, as which, an energy, character, or tonality is presencing. Mm. It's presencing. So channeling, not through me, but as this, which is this. (laughs) The channel disappears, or doesn't disappear, or doesn't, doesn't disappear. And just the energy, the
1: character Mm. is present. So what's next? Yeah, no, I'm interested in your evolution across the 70s. Kind of the, the acting and the stand-up comedy is sort of, it's, it's lower and the musicianship is kind of moving up and we find you in the 70s. Are you playing in group or are you playing like alone? You know, I know by the, by the end of the 70s you're doing a lot of kind of busking outside, you know, Washington Square Park, but what was the evolution like? Yes, yeah, so it was a short period of playing with a
0: jazz, R&B, rap group called Winds of Change. Wow. When the Auto Harp, Electric Auto Harp, became my instrument of convenience, and I began researching that out on the sidewalks of Park Slope, New York in the late 70s. And it evolved into a way of uh, earning money. I didn't call it busking, I call it experimenting with transmitting altered states of consciousness with your zither case open. (laughs) <laughs> <And> just <laughs> but I was interested to see how, just how much of what I call my meditative state what, how would it influence New Yorkers mm. and I was impressed very much that I could, uh, in meditative alignment, I would say the alignment is the intention whatever I am aligned in, this is my intention, so I hold this intention of a meditative field and the meditative field what comes with it is this expansive, direct, I can call it visual, emotional immersion experience. It's subtle, it's here, and uh, so I can be in it, and the person standing next to me could not be in it. So it might be my own co-creation, but it is timeless and weightless, and I can mentally live within it, practice doing things within it, and make it my home and establish it. It's like investing in this abstract real estate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you talk about your music as vertical music. Like it can it can stop anywhere, it could start anywhere.
0: Yes, I use the term vertical from a musical standpoint, you know, in a linear music. Da 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 so that's a line and you see it on manuscript paper as a moving a line of notes that's linear, mm-hmm. horizontal. And when I think of a chord, when all the notes are resonating together and uh, no one note really knows its identity outside of the cluster, you got vertical music or vertical space. And I do believe that in linear time I did attract a vertical sound immersion experience. And that it was so impacting that I have reason to believe it is compelling and driving the sound hearing experience I'm reaching for on this side of the veil. So I can call it a mystical experience or a paranormal hearing experience, which shifted the way that I experience you know, time and space. I Yes, I was initiated into continuous present time so that every point along the music is the whole musical uh, available. That's sort of like a holographic thing where every, the whole picture, the whole event is present and accessible at any point within the event. So with that experience of vertical music, of hearing that sound in that paranormal ceremony, that caused me to reach for a, music, a way of referring to it I was calling it what was it I went to the Lincoln Center library to look for data on it there was a lot of data on that experience and even pointed to the Bible that in the beginning was the word that the term word is this this unearthly sound this all- pervading current and I call it vertical music because it's all happening simultaneously it's
1: not Yes. A linear. That's right. That's like when everything is simultaneous. Everything is now. Eternity is now. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I just quoted you. I've been I've been listening to. Lots of <laughs> May I quote you again? Cosmic time is the eternal present moment. You got me hooked.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cosmic time is the eternal present moment. Uh, one thing about this statement, it infers that the person listening is in their linear mind. Mm.
1: And that's not where they're going to get the message. Yeah. So. So what was it like playing in Washington Square Park when you're in the state, the unified field, and people rushing by might be, you know, rushing to and fro? What, what happens to them? They drop money in the cage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't think of a more linear place than New York. Yes. At least in my mind. Yes, there, people have relaxed
0: and I've seen passerbys in their business suits and attaché cases get on the ground in lotus position and listen, and there's this stillness that validates my suspicion that the frequency or the vibration of a meditative field can communicate itself through intentional sound or sound plus intention equals healing is a phrase that's going around. And that the intention, you know, say holding the intention and performing simultaneously, mm. if you wanted to call it performing or operating a musical instrument, something gets communicated. Yes. Yes. And I don't have to use a lot of words. Yeah. So when you were performing, did you have your eyes closed? Yes. I found that it's a way to reference the feel more efficiently. Mm. Yeah. Eyes closed. At the beginning, I thought, am I really going to get away with this? People
1: want eye contact. Hey! Is it true when one of these times when your your eyes were closed, Brian Eno came by and dropped a note in your guitar case or something? Yes. This was on
0: a uh, regular night in Washington Square Park. Cobblestone circle, circle of cobblestones and a tree at the center of the cobblestones. And around was (laughs) arc. benches in a circle, like an artistic setting, that you just want to sit down and play your zither in. So I've done this a couple of times at that particular place and got good response. And one evening, this magical married couple came up to me and said, do you know Frippinino? Have you heard Frippanino's music? Frippanino might be someone you would be interested in. And I was going to think, Frippin' what? Frippin' how? I said, Frippin' Eno. And they convinced me that I should listen to Brian Eno's music and Robert Fripp. Mm. And I didn't get around to it until a month later, I'm in the same place and I finished playing and there was a note from Brian Eno in the case. And I'm thinking to myself, what's going on? And I responded to the note, called the number, he was interested in my working on the Ambient Music Series with him. Mm. And so we made a, an agreement and we, within a week we started working on the Ambient 3, Day of Radiance album mm-hmm. there in Greenwich Village. And I didn't really know who he was, so I didn't have a chance to know who he was. And uh, after we did the record, uh, started traveling around and people would come up to me who didn't, I didn't know. Just, they just start a nice conversation with me. Just, and I think, well, who is this person, where are they going? And they would reach into the pocket and pull out something like a record or, can you get
1: this to Eno? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, okay, I'll try.
1: Did, uh, did you think of your work as uh, ambient previously?
0: I've learned how to think of it like that mm-hmm. because there seems to be a lot of directions for under, the word ambient. Mm. I think of ambient as an environment or a field, however subtle, and that music can suggest a field, uh, a place within which you're breathing, thinking, co-creating or sitting still. It's like an environment that maybe upstage your physical environment. I'm sure children do that with rock music, go into their rooms, slam the door and blast the music. (laughs) So it's a space control. So you can call it ambient music. In my sense, I sh- care to project from my experience with deep contemplation and meditation, a contemplative field. Yes. So music is an ambient field. It might sound continuous or even mono character in acknowledging perhaps the needs of the person listening, so a quiet space, psychologically peaceful.
1: Terrain. Were you Laraji at that point? Was that 1980
0: or so? Yes, by that time I had accepted the name Laraji, and because it was mystically revealed to me. Up to that time, uh, I was looking for a new name, a spiritual name. I knew it was gonna be three syllables and something to do with the sun, that's all I knew. Yeah. Playing music in front of a Harlem New Age bookstore uh-huh. a couple of times, just know. offering my music. The third time, the gentleman there said, you know, we've been listening to your music, Ed. And and we get a different vibe from your music. And we've we've done some research, and we've come up with a suggestion for a name for you. What? And that was a moment I said, wow. When someone walks up to you and says, we've got a new name for you, you know what goes to your head? What if I don't like it? So I said, let's meet in Central Park, and we'll try it out. We meet in Central Park and they reveal this name to me, La Raji. And it's an evolution from Larry Gordon to involve the Egyptian name for sun god, Ra. Yeah. And I'd say, Wow, three syllables, sun? This is a sign I should follow. So there was the name, La Raji, initiated in Central Park, New York. And my concern was, if I change my name now, will I think I want to change it again and again and again? So there's a devotion within it. The name actually refers to the sun as a divine being, and it's that uh, serving the earth and the other planets in the galaxy. Do you have a deep connection to the sun? I do. It when the sun is up, there's there's a magic that pervades my awareness. Yeah. Yeah, the sun. And uh, there's an inner sun too that I'm courting. You're a shadowless sun. It's more etheric. But the outer sun, with the right balance, don't stay in the sun too long. But I do appreciate the sun. And I understand the sun we're looking at isn't there. It's what, a few seconds or minutes away, the distance it takes. Yeah, I heard that. And I'm impressed a whole year we go around the sun, mm-hmm. even as far away as it is from us now, mm-hmm. we be moving,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yes. yes, Yes. so there's the solar energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, at what time did you start wearing orange? Hare Krishna played a big role because in the mid 70s, I did play music on the sidewalks in New York, in the mid 50s with it, and that's where the Hare Krishna restaurant was. Mm-hmm. And the Hare Krishna restaurant offered all you can eat for $5 yes. for lunch. And yes. the musicians would go there yes. and you'd pass by the boutique. And there I began thinking mm, I'd like to try some of that. That looks interesting. So I started combining orange with white. Yeah. I didn't understand why I was doing it other than it, the energy, the something about it, the frequency of the color until a spiritual mentor later on pointed, connected the dots Said you had an inner initiation and it's trying to surface and you're using the language of color it's fire colors a transformation sunset on the old way of knowing self and sunrise on the new way of knowing self and with that he handed me orange clothes and I thought Whoa, holy moly. (laughs) Did
1: this happen around the same time that you took on the new name? Was it around?
0: After the new name, yes, after the new name. So there I was feeling my way toward the inarticulable beyond and using sound and music and color until a spiritual teacher can help me connect the dots, that you're doing that there, and that there, and that there, and this is what you're all trying to do together, and you want to unify and go in that direction. So you're on a fast track home, and his favorite line was, hurry home, and I would think, what do you mean, hurry? Until I got it, oh, I think I got it, the fastest way home, the fastest way home is to stop leaving. That's, that's what I got, that it's here and now, yeah, thank you. And I leave on the vehicles of thought. So when I take a vacation from thought and just stay without the titles and the names. Mm-hmm. Stop leaving and titles and names. Stop
1: leaving. Mm-hmm. Stay for well, a long while. Would you say that your musical practice is the, your most reliable path towards the unified field of consciousness, or do you have other practices that will get you there? As you're asking me
0: that, I believe sound is, even if it's not external sound, internal sound, just call it the etheric sound current. Yes, quite so. And when I hear of ones who don't like music, then um, I'm feeling that they're they're right. They probably don't like music as where it takes them, if the outer music But the inner current, which is no ending or beginning, is a perfect object of focus to lift consciousness out of the personal limited I am into the universal I am. So it's a very handy, portable, accessible tool. And when you listen, and when I listen, it sounds like the sound of nothingness. And nothingness is valuable. <laughs> nothingness is valuable. And so the sound of no thing, it's very thin, high end. In some traditions, it said there are ten manifestations of this inner hearing experience. It may sound like crickets, buzzing of bees, a conch shell, the roaring of ocean surf, choir of angels, the sound of horns. The experience I had was the sound of multiple layers of horns weaving this most glorious, eternal textual pad. The emotional response was just swelling up, falling in love with all the cosmos, feeling the reality of the present unifiedness of everything and knowing eternalness here and now. Jesus brought me here.
1: Yeah, in your (laughs) way, yeah.
0: Yeah, the energy being impressed with uh, what Jesus supposedly had done. He researched, he went to India or Egypt and uh, in the mystery schools. and that kind of expanded my awareness of who it was I was uh, admiring. Mm. So it said, pointed to the mystery schools. Mm. So that's what I think I did. Yeah. Some Investigate mystery schools through books
1: and uh, teachers. Right. Let me ask you this, as you were gaining notoriety, gaining probably a kind of a groundswell of popularity over the course of the 80s. You you put out album and you keep on putting out other albums. How did you deal with your own popularity? And I ask this in a certain sense to get at sort of, when I think about dropping outside of the unified field of consciousness, the ego can really get in the way. And I'm wondering about the ways that you have managed to stay grounded, real, yourself, even in the face of people coming up to you and telling you, you're so wonderful. My my practice, my inner practice,
0: if I'm continuously identifying self as this field, Mm -hmm. then uh, I'm never just in New York, or I'm never just on the earth plane. There's a balance of walking in terra firma and hovering as a unified field. (laughs) Um, So and I interpret things differently. If someone says, thank you, I know they're feeling probably a presence that is bigger than both of us. And uh, I'm the most available person to thank for at the time. So learning how to accept that is, is an exercise. Yeah. Repeat that question one more time. Does your popularity? Oh yeah, they got it. Yeah. Yes, it did, And but it was very friendly, very friendly and gentle, because popularity was expressed through new age conferences, huh. meditation centers, ashrams. I had not really suspected I would ever get here, mm-hmm. but the places I had gotten to, were like annual new age conferences on college campuses uh-huh. and the popularity was very gentle because there are people who are working on lessening their attachments in life or they have an inner meditative connection which allows them to not put so much responsibility on the world for their peace of mind
1: <laughs> I just think about the sensibilities that you bring forward in your music, and I, I feel like they're somehow aligned with the psychedelic experience, and I'm curious if you feel a kinship towards the psychedelic experience or psychedelic music, and whether psychedelics or cannabis in some ways have influenced the direction um, of your music. The people around me have been very influenced by... <laughs> <laughs>
0: They have been. As a matter of fact, it, uh, I'm buddying up to the latest term is non-human intelligence. I believe my friends have been contacted by non-human intelligence very early in their, their early 20s and have been directed to explore and experiment with consciousness altering uh, practices in collaboration with sincere spiritual Self-investigation, yeah. and that what has resulted with my friends <laughs> was an opening of awareness and understanding into the more subtle realms that the words alone couldn't deliver to their imagination. Right. If you're doing spiritual practice, there's a statement that whatever you're doing, it'll take you in the direction of your. and Terms of cannabis, if you're going down, it'll take you down. If you're going up, it take up. So, setting your intention, living that intention, um, maybe intensely 45 minutes before ingestion, is to influence the direction. And the direction toward opening and being present to channeling or channeling higher energies is very educational. Yeah, very educational very evolving, very evolutional material. And so channeling as a way of self-evolution, I I accept. And so the use of cannabis appears to, at least for my (laughs) friends, (laughs) (laughs) to be uh, something you should take responsibility for if society isn't going to help you take responsibility for it. And to find teachers or mentors who you resonate with mm-hmm. and uh, who seem to understand there is a connection between uh, exploring altered states and having a sense of your transcendental ground or sense of who you are as a pure I am. Yeah. Have people asked if they can use your music as guide? Yes. i mean getting... People have used it, are using it. and. Uh, Ever since the early Day of Radiance, um, I hear different reports. People use it to quiet their classrooms down. and um, Then I hear of Japanese teenagers who used to get high, turn out the lights and put on uh, Day of Radiance. <laughs> I said, oh yeah? And, I've been made aware of the connection between this music and people who practice ceremonies. Yeah. It's, it's uh, plant medicine ceremonies. Great. And it feels good, it feels right. Because a lot of understanding I feel I'm able to enter into that is, could have been accessible if I'd done maybe a, a very strong, austere lives but this some say this is a shortcut but i think it's just owning that the plant non-human intelligence is as much a part of our evolution
1: as as we think we are without it without it yeah, 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 yeah. when you're in this field of unified energy and you're making music you're running energy how do the decisions get made how do you, I mean, how do you create your music in terms of, you know, change, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm glad you asked that because feeling,
0: it's, it's about feeling it through, mm. feeling and uh, faster than I can think about it. It's free falling or some call it the flow state. And it can be initiated on the first note, just plucking the first note, And if the intention is engaged, so it's supra-conscious intention, the field is the intention, then I'm not just playing the 36-string harp. 36 strings is a numerological symbol for completion. 36 equals 9, 9 is the number of completion. So this instrument is actually a tool for rapporting with the whole universe. If I break a string on there, uh, the universe can make it with 35 strings. <laughs> <laughs> the strings used to break when I played outdoors and that's a spiritual exercise. What do you do when a string breaks? Yeah. Yeah, I respond. Yeah. And learning how to relax, yeah. it shows me if, if I'm really relaxed. If a string breaks and I, oh, a string broke, I keep going. Right. And if, uh, sometimes I used to think it was voodoo and that I was, the police department was getting even with me. <laughs> but that, that paranoia would come up. And suddenly, then I stopped. Mm. Just say, it's up to me. Stop waiting on the world to uh, make it okay. Mm. So I decided to learn how to relax. And relaxation is really on the breath and intention. But okay. You're taking care of yourself, you're taking care of your mother. My mother? You had a mother, didn't (laughs) you? Yeah, (laughs) I did. Because my mother used to say that, take care of yourself and you're taking care of me. Mm -hmm. That's why I was in her phone calls. I love that.
1: What are your pathways to bliss, ecstasy, euphoria?
0: This moment. And have a passion Practice and a project. Got mm. to mm. have a project. Yeah, can't be sitting around perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and an interesting, a creative, fun-filled
1: project.
0: It's, yeah. Yes.
1: Is there anything that you specifically avoid to avoid experiencing anger, jealousy, strife?
0: I say yes, but avoiding the long, no longer necessary, the no longer essential uh, tangents or detours uh, by embracing the one. Uh, how deeply one can? I feel you are avoiding the separation instead of trying to avoid the separation. That's where I was going. I'm not avoiding as much as I am embracing. And the byproduct of that is uh, the more
1: light, the less shadows, something like that. Anybody out in the audience with a burning question? Can we pass you a mic or something like that? Maybe we... Here comes a mic. So this is a special
0: question for you. Um, having hugged you earlier today and talked to you about
2: dance, I want to ask you where does your body fit into your work and movement?
0: What is my body? How do I bring my body to my work?
2: Yeah. It's, yes,
0: dancing. Specifically, one, oh, yeah. thank you. My pair <laughs> That. The last few years, I've been playing with the Gabriel Roth 5 rhythms, dance, uh, approach. And that has become like a blueprint for my musical improvisation, dance movement. With Before that, I did not give myself wholeheartedly to things like staccato and chaos in my music. And I thought, oh, I'm a rage, I can be seeing doing eh? (laughs) that so that liberated me the whole body feel all the rhythms you know the flowing the staccato the chaos the lyrical and the stillness the body i'm glad you asked this question that more i dance during performance movement then i just open up and interaction with the instrument is a byproduct of me being in that run, as you said, running that movement, running that intention. And the uh, five rhythms can literally sculpt by concert performance, 45 minutes, seven minutes of each of those rhythms. Chaos was the, it's a revolutionary one for me because chaos seems to match my initiation with the, uh, the paranormal hearing experience. It's chaos of just the entire field without a distinct form. Just everything is blending into one another. and You could say sweet chaos. So learning how to be in chaos allows me to just devote myself with more passion to those passages in my performance where I just get into chaos through music and let it be okay because knowing i'm moving through chaos I'm not staying there mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. beautiful, beautiful, so you mentioned ra 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 yes sun. and i was curious that made me think of sun ra yes you
2: think of uh improvisational jazz or whatever that was yes or orchestra. and i was just wondering if that was music that that fed you and was there other influences
0: that came to you and the Im- Impressionistic scene of the '70s and '80s, and, and Sun Ra in particular, with that whole sort of construct. That's very observant because Sun Ra music. First time I heard him was in Brooklyn one night at a performance space, mm. and I had no what to expect. It felt like he did a rotor Rooter job mm-hmm. on my Western concept of music, you know, and it liberated just hearing that. So that was Sun Ra's first my first experience. The second experience was at a place called The Bottom Line in New York, and his dancers wore cosmically suggestive outfits, pyramid hats, silvery, looked like they stepped off a spaceship, you know. And I was impressed with that kind of passion and setting the suggestion and the stage for your music. His music, famous for space is the place. Space is the place. And I can relate to that now. I think there's more space going on here than Adams. And uh, I'm starting to appear in more festivals where his orchestra is still performing. The Sun Ra Orchestra. I thought he was a shining model of a cosmic direction of music expression. Thank you for the question.
2: With all the suffering in the world, Right now, wars, climate change, all of that. How come on. you said oh, all yeah. that's going on? What else there's a is going lot of on? suffering going on. What there's else a lot is of on? goodness going oh, on. Oh come on, give it to me. Okay, there's a lot of beauty going on. Alright. And there's a lot of suffering going on. And I'm curious about how, if at all, that informs your music, what you do to work with that yes. as a human being.
0: Very good question. Um, This quote from Leonard Bernstein, who said to the effect that the crazier the world gets, the more intense and radical the artists might get to balance it. And that's what I feel that uh, I'm called to do. So I do tune into the news, uh, European news, BBC news, and just got a sense of what's going on and to see what is feeding the... uh, People's heads these days, and just knowing how much tension or anxiety is roaming around so I just know how radical to get with peaceful expressions in my music or just how ethereal to hold the current for a long while so that I feel the etherealization of one's emotional body is a key to lightening up yes. if, we, if we're too dense and not balancing with the more where we are yeah. it could be bottom heavy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> earlier, when you were talking about your earlier training and, and the linear music, you talked about how that gave you the discipline and kind of a framework that then you could do the improvisation within that. I'm wondering, like the music you're, you've been creating during the last couple of days, is it completely improv from the beginning to the end, or is there kind of a framework? and you improvise within that, or is it all planned out? I'm just wondering what's the spectrum of improvisation versus kind of a framework and you
0: know where you want to go with the music. That makes sense. Yes. I think what I do is I practice my language on an ongoing basis. Practice the elements of my language um, and put it together at the last minute. So let the feeling, before performance to drop in to the intention or drop in as the intention and move in rapport, conscious rapport within this timelessness. It's as a conversation, it's unfolding without me thinking two sentences ahead what I'm going to play or say. But the intention is holding this intention and a belief that at everyone's core, there is this space, this knowingness that is responding. And the experiments that I've done is to see if I am in this place during performance, is there an intelligent response from whomever? And the experiment is that there is an overwhelming response at the etheric subtle frequency that we are communicating or in communion with each other in a very invisible vibrational way. and we can choose to take responsibility for this higher, this higher self, this lighter self-communication by deliberately affirming or praying or whatever you do to fill your consciousness with a higher frequency whether it's color meditation or a mantra, or service, or whatever it is that keeps you mindful at this higher place, this higher frequency, this invisible place. This is where I feel the unified field is very obvious. And sometimes I think it's the cosmic net. If we're here, we can communicate through each other simultaneously. And maybe that's something the mycelium population on the planet, the mushroom planet, is probably modeling for us. Mm-hmm. Holding the space, knowing how to induct or treat, in mind science is this treat to uh, affirm and to get so deep at it that I'm affirming a total psycho-emotional feel and tension and bring this into and as the performance so that it's the continuous mindful rapport within this space and the music is automatic, it's spontaneous, I'm not thinking what I'm gonna do next but I have practiced my vocabulary so that my vocabulary is available to enter into this spontaneous storytelling or sound bath. My emerging feeling about the earth that is such a precious event whether it's an experiment or whether it's intentional maybe it's a water garden today I think what if the earth is really a water garden and they're they're growing water here <laughs> and uh, just honor the earth is wow it's a wow experience think of all the places we could have landed or how many beings wanted to enter into a physical human body and take the earth plane. And we, we won the lottery.
2: Wow.
0: <laughs> Here we are, this is, uh, it's mind blowing, it's, it's mind blowing awesome. As I look over this wonderful world and I contemplate the origin of it all, what else could I be but blissed out for days and days and days?
1: One more, one more. This gentleman wanted to talk. Aloha.
0: Aloha. Thank you for sharing your beautiful voice.
1: You discussed earlier that in your journey you explored mystery schools. And I would love to hear a little about what did you discover in the mystery teachings that feels most uplifting and inspiring for you?
0: I believe that the essence that you'd have to be having your own direct experience to get it. But one of the most I think it's interesting, as I understand it, is the cross, the crossing. The crossing from linear existence to eternal flow existence and the, the mystical crossing, how that crossing is made, and understanding why it's difficult to make that crossing because it can't be made. <laughs> but the attempts to make it, sincerely, one gets in their way. It's really how, at what point does all your practice just suddenly qualify you to just be nowhere, doing nothing, totally empty. Witnessing as an eternal consciousness. And that place is so you can't get to that place. Once again, it says you can only get here if you're here now. So somehow, our thinking about who we are has to dramatically alter, as someone said, a block of soap, there's an elephant in there. If you sculpt away everything that isn't the elephant. <laughs> so, in this moment, there's an infinite, perfect, flowing consciousness. And learning how to sculpt what isn't that is tricky. But how to do it without attachment that's how to let go. It's more about how to embrace and the embracing does the work. And the embracing can only be done now, done here, so we can see if this is the elephant, how much of future and past do we have to carve away from this moment in order to really be immersed in this moment? How quickly? Can it be as quickly as three minutes of taking off all titles and breathing? Or an hour and a half of yoga postures and breathing to settle into Shavasana? Or deep spiritual work aligning with the ceremony? Or none of this. But this is where we're going And so, how do you get to here? There's the magical cross, how do you get to here? It's somewhere you stop going toward, and you stop coming from, and you are coming as this, which is so much this, at this time, being this eternal, and this formless, this way.
1: Thank you so much for this glimpse this bridge into unified field of consciousness. Thank you for your heart, Raji. It's an infinite
0: delight. <laughs> Om oh, shanti shanti shanti. <laughs>
1: Thanks so much for listening to Voices of Esalen. Today's show was produced in conjunction with Shira Levine. Our theme music is by Nico Holloman. Esalen Institute is a nonprofit organization dedicated to advancing human potential and promoting positive social change. Your support helps us to continue to offer transformative programs and retreats that promote personal growth and collective well-being. Visit our website at esalen.org.